What is it about sitting down to build a good study plan that kind of sucks? Is it the planning? Is it the execution? Is it the big time commitment? Or are we committing to learn a little bit too much? Regardless of this answer, today we're sitting down to talk about how to better prepare to learn, how to execute a study plan to meet your goals, build better habits to help you learn, and some of our own experiences we'll share about learning how to learn. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. How often have you struggled to learn programming because you just couldn't find the right resource to suit your learning style? I struggled for nearly a year before stumbling upon a website known as Front and Masters. I've been a long-time paid user of the online learning platform simply because I find the courses to be comprehensive and beginner-friendly. They have the best teachers in the tech industry, and they're one of the reasons I was able to land my dream job. With Front and Masters, you can learn web development, responsive design, backend development, animations, testing, algorithms, data structures, and more. You can pick a course you're interested in or follow one of the learning paths like React, Vue, Angular, data visualization with D3, Node.js, and more. To learn more, head to frontendmasters.com. Transform your organization's website from brochureware into a powerful business tool with HubSpot's CMS Hub. CMS Hub is a developer-friendly content management system that is fully integrated with HubSpot's CRM platform. This means you can create best-in-class digital experiences for website visitors featuring personalization, automation, and dynamic content based on the same CRM data your sales and marketing teams use to build relationships with customers. Develop powerful websites, blogs, and landing pages locally with the tools and frameworks you prefer, then deploy to your HubSpot account via the CLI. Once deployed, marketers can create and edit content using drag-and-drop and visual design tools, streamlining the workflow between your teams. Take your career to the next level by joining HubSpot's active dev community. Visit developers.hubspot.com forward slash CMS hub and create a free developer test account. All right, guys. Hello. How are you today? What's going on? I feel like I'm just tired all the time. So like, that's not a very exciting answer, but it's the truth. <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's gray in Chicago today, which is like classic Chicago, but would have preferred it to be nice and sunny. Okay, but is it okay? Is it super hot there? Because I don't know about Chicago like that, but Missouri, it's like it's starting to get that like nasty mugginess where yeah. it's all cloudy and everything. It's disgusting looking. Like I'm heaving every time that I'm like trying to walk somewhere, but it's like it's supposed to be raining. Is that the same for you? I'm not sure how warm it is. This weekend, it was like in the 90s all weekend, and it felt like you were walking into an oven whenever you went outside. It was awful. Beautiful. But, but <laughs> yeah, it's just a Chicago weather. I'm so excited to be At least y'all have air conditioning. <laughs> it's, just, it's like this whole, uh, yeah, I'm going to make true. a generalization about my favorite country, which is Europe. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, like in Germany and in Sweden, like it's not customary for houses to have air conditioning. So I just like bake in my own house. That's brutal. That's brutal. No, I don't there's like no it. way that I'm doing that. You can stay there in Europe all you fucking want to. There's no way. I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> well, should we dive into what we're supposed to be talking about? Yes, actually. <laughs> I'm going to like sit 
here and like steam over how you don't have air conditioning, but that's cool. We're going to talk about study plans instead. Um, so what is your experiences uh, with like creating, building, potentially like going through a study plan? What about you guys? Um, so I uh, take the fire hydrant approach where I just consume as much content as I can as fast as I can. And I don't really sit down and make a study plan. So I'm hoping to actually learn something from this. But uh, I will say like, people always ask me like, Oh, how are you so productive? And I'm like, honestly, it's all superficial, because really, I only work, or I only study if I'm like in a good mindset, which is definitely like, for the most part, like a privileged viewpoint, because I know many people kind of have to study and they have to come up with plans. Um, So I'm really looking forward to this episode, because until current day I still I struggle with study plans and for me I've built entire curriculum so I feel like that kind of counts although it's not for me it's for a group of students I've done that for lots of different programs at this point um but as far as personally I think I'm at this point in my career where I mostly learn as an as need basis mm-hmm. like if I need to learn something for work then I will learn it for work but I'm no longer in the point of my career where I'm learning things just to learn them in hopes that it'll help like a future job or something along those lines. So I'm not sure that I make them necessarily personally, but as far as personal development, every single day I try to read at least a chapter of a career related book. And so that's, that's mostly what I do personally. That's, very interesting, like to hear both of those perspectives, because right now, like I'm in the middle of like having to execute a study plan for like technical interviews. It's great. It's awesome. Like it's the best thing in the world, but like, sure, I'm kind of kidding um, a lot, but I have made study plans for people that have like paid me to do it. And I think that those have worked uh, depending on like people's needs and preferences. I have also helped build curriculums. So I, I think that, they're great if you can handle the need to like actually commit to them and actually like concentrate on them. And yeah, those are fun kind of things to kind of look at when it comes to a study plan. But let's actually like talk about what exactly a study plan is. So for me, I feel like it is a just a set of what is it? tasks, a set of things that you actually want to learn with a goal in mind to the end all be all, I guess, like having to either learn a new skill, having to like create a project. Um, and then you break it down into increments. You're wanting to actually do a little bit of chunks for the work that you want to do. Maybe, uh, maybe that's every day. Maybe that's every other day. You're wanting to like actually sit through and work on whatever it is that you're wanting to learn and making sure that it's executable, making sure that it is something that is attainable, but you feel like you're actually like getting the slow progress with like good results because slow progress is definitely better than no progress. Uh, that is what I solely believe in. So I don't know. That's that's kind of where I am with that. <laughs> I feel like actually, and we'll talk about this in a little bit about how the brain like encodes information. But one of the best tactics to learning and retaining information is context switching. And unfortunately, when you context switch, you feel like you're learning a lot slower, but it's encoded long term. So actually, if you feel like it's taking a lot longer, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I'm, that's very context mm-hmm. switching. Like, can you describe a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so basically, um, think about how we do like 
random access memory or like cash, for example. Um, let's say like we, our cash purchasing system is like most frequently accessed. And so anytime we access a piece of information, that's going to be prioritized in our cache. It's the same thing with our brain. So the more you're recalling information, the better it's going to encode into your long-term storage. Um, so that's kind of why, like when you are context switching, your brain is working harder to recall that information. And as a result, the recall becomes a lot easier. Wow. That sounds horrible kind of in theory, but I kind of understand what you're talking about. Like it makes sense to try and like quickly memory dive into whatever concept that you're trying to recall and see if whether or not like you're able to execute like A, B, and C. That makes sense. Very interesting. It's kind of like, like I'm trying to learn Swedish right now. I'm not focused on tech learning, but I am trying to learn another language. And it's like to mix up writing, speaking, and listening. They're all very different skills. And to like cycle through those definitely increases your ability to recall information uh and also i don't know if we'll talk about this later but like when you're and this is more about learning so it's it, i'll just mention it quickly but like phonetics and and creating like uh brain tricks to remember like certain words so the word venster in swedish means left but in german is window so every time i think okay what is the word for left i picture a window so like making those associations in your head uh can really help but anyway we're here to talk about study plans not learning <laughs> I mean, we're kind of here to talk about both, I think. Like, I, I wanted to kind of hear the experience of you guys, like, learning um, different things, not just coding, I think, uh, because you can apply study plans to anywhere that you want to actually, like, learn something. And me personally, I have a video on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Sydney Buckner on how to actually make a study plan. And I have a template for you guys. So if you are wanting to see how that works and if you're wanting to customize it, do whatever, I'll put a link in the show notes and I will also put the video in the show notes. So there you go. Um, okay, so when it comes to, I think, executing a study plan, that's kind of a different beast. So you, you, for example, Emma, you're saying that you're learning Swedish right now. How do you think that that's going when it comes to context switching, when it comes to like having to go through those like small goals, those like small mm, attainable goals? It's not going great. And the reason is I don't, I don't have accountability. So there, I, in my experience, there are two different kinds of study plans. There are ones where you like can plan out for me personally, where I plan out like on the 12th of the month, I'm studying this or the 13th of the month, I'm studying this, or it could be sequential where like, uh, this day I am studying, you know, verbs. And the next day, whenever that day is the next day, I pick this back up is going to be something else. Um, so, but what I've noticed is like, unless I have accountability to study, I really don't. So what that means is I typically will have to pay for a language course as opposed to doing free apps like Duolingo or Babbel or, or whatnot. Uh, I need to have that financial or like attendance accountability to actually follow through. No. So I'm the same way. Um, I, I think that now that I'm kind of, kind of, I'm in that privilege where I am able to just like be like, all right, here's the check. Like, just let's do it. And um, I'm fairly sure, like I won't speak like for the nation or anything like this, but I am fairly sure that according to Twitter, I have been diagnosed with ADHD unofficially. Um, it's just going to be better for me to like actually be able to pay somebody to do everything because I get anxious when I don't complete it, whatever like goal that it is. But when like I actually have a teacher 
that is like, this is a respect authority. Like, this is a person that I have to actually like talk to. And like, it's kind of that like conflict thing where uh, I'm going to, I'm going to want to do it because I want to be impressive. And I also don't want to give myself that anxiety. So <laughs> it's fun. Mm. It's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking at ADHD for a long time, which is why I have so much trouble. Like, I, I mean, this is not a medical diagnosis show, but it's funny. I had a coworker actually DM me and be like, I'm pretty sure I have ADHD, which is like not appropriate. But also I was like, that's also why wow. I struggle so much to like plan things and stick to them. <laughs> I think that a good way for me to kind of like cope with this, um, mind you, like this is me knowing full and well, like I should probably get like a doctor's exam and everything, uh, take the test for it. But, you know, Twitter is just so accurate about everything that it's kind of scary. Um, for me, I, I guess I've been struggling with this for a long time, but what's helped me is that um, I I have a specific journal that I just like have to plan everything out in. I make bullet journals. I like do the little creative side of it, but it just keeps me organized with like every day that I kind of go through with all the tasks that I want to do. And it just, it really keeps all of that like unknown <laughs> of like, oh, like how am I going to be able to learn things? What am I going to be able to do if I don't succeed in whatever this goal is? It keeps all of that in check. So um, there's another book that I will have to reference um, for the show notes. And I forgot what it's called because we are specifically not talking about ADHD, but um, I think that would be a good one to uh, talk about if um, if anybody is wanting to like have more information about it, whatnot. Again, we are not a medical podcast, so like take all of this stuff that we are saying with a grain of salt. It is about our own personal lives, but yeah, we'll move on from there. Why is uncoupled code documentation bad, and what does that even mean? At Swim.io, they believe developers deserve code documentation that they can trust. Swim's continuous documentation tool helps teams create code-coupled docs that are auto-synced with their code every time the code changes across multiple repositories. Swim helps teams ramp up new developers easily, enable a culture of knowledge sharing, and ship code faster. Swim's continuous documentation pulls from the CI/CD. It is easy to deploy and keeps teams afloat and happy. Swim Beta is now available on swim.io. Join Swim on their community channel and learn more about their continuous documentation manifesto on swim.io. From there, when it comes to executing study plans, uh, it, it can definitely be hard, especially for some people that aren't in a learning place, uh, a learning space where it's like kind of pass or fail, whether you're in college, whether you're in school. Um, for us, like as adults, it's really hard to keep that accountability. And it's definitely right, especially if you're not like having um, that support, if you're not kind of in that mindset, if like your brain is kind of moving from left to right and everywhere. And um, there, here are some things that I like to do for myself to help me kind of do that context switching and make sure that I'm able to start like executing that progress when it comes to a study plan. Um, for me, I, I think that this is the big thing. And people will tell me that this is bullshit and whatnot, but your mindset is going to be the biggest, I feel like, encounter bump in the road that uh, is going to be the most difficult to get over when it comes to a study plan. 
I particularly like to envision what I want to do with this knowledge. So say, for instance, when it comes to the technical interviews, I'm looking at Emma's book right now for like linked lists. Uh, I I really like the visual aspects of it where I'm able to kind of see like, okay, I'm able to see this picture. I'm able to see like what exactly she's talking about step by step. And I vision myself like using this knowledge to be able to solve whatever problem that it is, kind of go step by step, um, figure out like what inputs that are going to be used uh, to get to the outputs of like the solution, if that makes any sense. And that also means that I will be potentially accepting like another job and everything and feeling really good about that and feeling like really rewarded for that effort that I put into. So if you guys are out there trying to figure out how exactly you're wanting to kind of start that study plan after you've like planned out what resources and materials that you have, or even beforehand, um, start with the mindset, being able to picture what you want to do with this knowledge, uh, being present with it is really helpful, especially for me. So try it out, see what happens. I swear to God, it's not bullshit. What's really just a quick point about mindset. Uh, and I think we've talked about this in our atomic habits episode, and we'll talk about that book in a little bit too, but, uh, there's one passage that talks about, two different mindsets. If it, Let's say that you're trying to quit smoking and someone offers you a cigarette. The first mindset is, uh, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. And the second is, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. And the second is, you are creating a, a future identity for yourself in the present. And you need to start imagining that today. So to Sydney's point, if you're studying for technical interviews, don't say, you know, I am studying to be an, a software engineer. It's like, no, I am a software engineer. And that'll help. Yeah, I think a large part of this plays into Carol Dweck's mindset too, which is another book. I think we plug so many books within this. Good. People could have an infinite <laughs> reading list if they just went through Ladybug episodes. But the idea of a fixed versus growth mindset, so a fixed mindset is that you can't grow and that you're never going to learn and that you're not smart enough and all that. And having a growth mindset is believing that you can learn something new and that you will be able to get there. And there have been studies that have found that if you believe that you can't do something, like most likely, in fact, you can't. But if you do believe that you can do something, you're much more likely to be able to accomplish it. So I think this plays into that as well. I think that the next point that we can talk about when it comes to the mindset portion of creating a study plan and actually executing it is kind of questioning what the appeal is to you for this certain concept. Um, I, I know for maybe, for example, Emma, you, you're living in Sweden. So that's a really big reason as to why you would want to learn Swedish for... <laughs> yeah. Well, when I have kids too, I don't want them to talk shit about me behind my back to my partner. <laughs> oh my God. Because he's like, oh, we and the, me and the kids can have a secret language. I'm like, oh, hell no. That's not happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's so mean. <laughs> but it's really... but. Like, this is a very strong why, and this is very important. Uh, another book, let's throw another one out. One of my favorites called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's all about if you find the justification for why you want to do something, you're more likely to complete it. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a wonderful book, yeah. Oh, I like that. I I think that for me, I love to think about why as much as like computer science concepts don't really kind of pertain to like the everyday life of like having to solve a problem for me, those foundations are kind of there when you're trying to go through something difficult. And so 
uh, for anybody that is wanting to study for technical interviews, wanting to learn a language, like you, you have your reasons why, and you want to be able to make sure that those reasons are strong enough and not super small or super artificial, I guess. Uh, maybe that's the word for it. Uh, just to try and see if you can complete that goal. I, I think that there's this kind of rift in between like what I'm thinking about when it comes to like what is appealing because no technical interviews like aren't appealing to me at all but the end goal is that like I would really love to do more cool work in another language I've been in Java for a while I would rather do anything else I would choose sand if I could like start doing something it just it it would be great to like work on some stuff in node now but um yeah I, I think that being able to see kind of the motivation on like what is appealing to you about this process and about the end result would be great. Um, A lot of people might not know why they would want to do something like this. And I just read this awesome quote, this awesome piece of advice by Rachel Rogers. And the book is called We Should All Be Millionaires. I love Rachel Rogers. She says, to follow your jealousy. And what she means by that is that you need to identify if you still kind of aren't really clear on your mindset, your vision, why exactly you're doing this. Who is somebody that you are like completely envious, jealous of? And see what exactly it is about their success, their attributes, whatever it is that makes you either want to do what they do or figure out a way to kind of sit down and not like examine their whole life or anything, but examine what exactly that they're doing that you would like to also do. I think that's fascinating. I'd be curious to see like I think someone who's following cool. their jealousy or their envy it, as opposed to someone who's doing something for them personally. Like, are there different outcomes? Because like, I like the idea of honing in on something as as like a mm-hmm. byproduct of finding like following jealousy. But I feel like for me personally, mm-hmm. that would bring down my mood. Like I- I'm wondering if you could use that to find a starting point and then turn it into something better. So like if you're jealous of uh like some let's say you want to gain social media followers. You're jealous of someone who's growing their social media really quickly. Okay, but maybe you're jealous of them because they're mm-hmm. creating really good content and you realize, okay, I want to create good content. Yeah. And instead of focusing on gaining Twitter followers, instead you're placing yourself on a trajectory to be like, okay, I want to create good content. And the byproduct of that is at some point, you know, I'll gain followers. Uh, that's another, I think that combines almost like the jealousy quote with the atomic habits, setting yourself on a trajectory and not a goal. Uh because I can imagine if you're following jealousy all the time, like it's more of like a spiteful focus or like a spiteful drive, which I guess sometimes could work. But I find for me personally, like when I do things for myself uh, to better myself and feel better, uh, I'm more successful than if I'm just trying to spite someone. Oof. I, I have a conflicting <laughs> feeling about that because like I have definitely been like, fuck you, pay me, do this, do that. I have definitely done things like for spite and was like, yes, I did it. And I feel like maybe that's just because um, a part of it is that like, yes, I am. um, Maybe not like envious, maybe uh, definitely jealous, but definitely like I want to prove to like myself that I like my mentality about this, about like potentially being jealous is wrong. And Gosh, the uh, there is 
is it zealous? I, I believe that jealousy is like the Latin root is zealous. Um, and what she was saying in the book was that there is the res- the the perspective of jealous is a, a term that's endearing. That's like you actually mm. have high respect for this person and their like attributes and things. I really wish that I would have written down like what exactly she said word by word. I I didn't realize that kind of perspective, and I think that I just like modern culture we've like spun jealousy as a thing that's bad, but it, apparently it wasn't for a, for a very long time until like you know Latin Latin's just kind of gone now, and so um, having that like what is it, the the drive to actually kind of like see what exactly that it is uh, that this person has that you're wanting to have, not necessarily the lack of what you have uh, is what my perspective of, uh, of the jealousy part. So I, I know that in particular, like there are a couple of people that I know I won't name names that I'm just like, oh man, I would love to like do what they're doing. It's not like a, I have lack, I lack whatever they're doing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So but I totally is- care where you're coming from, but like spite is a very good motivator. Very good motivator. It's really interesting because I always confuse envy and jealousy. And I just looked it up real quickly and it says, Envy means discontented longing for someone else's advantages and is used to refer to a covetous feeling towards another person's attributes. In general, jealousy means unpleasant suspicion or apprehension of rivalship, but can be used to mean the same thing. So that's interesting. Uh, and that that could be a whole conversation in and of itself. <laughs> but do you ever see those like those people on TikTok that are like, I, I was the girl he didn't want and I became the girl he couldn't have. And I'm like, I'm like, hats off to you. Like, I wish what? that w- that could drive me because maybe I'd get more shit done. I'm just a lazy potato these days. No, I, I think that we all need breaks. We all we all do. It's it's going to be in our nature to want to, like, try and do everything. But it's going to be important to have those breaks. And that's that's something that we're going to be talking about a little bit more um, kind of going on in this episode. But Moving from actually like following that like jealousy, quote unquote, maybe we should just like put it in quotes, um, making the decision to actually like do something. And that sounds it, it's very simple, but I don't know. I, I don't think that it's as simple as we kind of like make it out to be because there's a certain degree of like actually saying like, okay, am I actually going to do this? No bullshit. Am I going to lose this weight? Am I going to decide that I want a career in tech? Am I going to get this certification? Like actually like sitting down and questioning like whether or not this is something that you are going to be willing to commit to despite any of the obstacles that you might find. Um, And being able to like be very honest with yourself, no bullshit, no uh, excuses from there. What do you guys think? This used to get me in trouble as a kid where, like, I would half-ass things to spite the hell out of my dad. Like, if I was going to clean the dishes, like, I would do the bare minimum. And he's like, if you're not going to do it right, you shouldn't even do it at all. And I'm like, you know what? He's right. And I know I'm going to yell at my kids someday for the same thing. It's so true. It's like, you are spending the time and energy to do something. Do you really want to half-ass it and waste that time and energy? Or do you want to commit and, like, really go all in? I don't like wasting time. I I realize that that 
the bigger the goal is, the more motivated that you are to try and like actually achieve it. Like it's going to be something that you'll want to get out of bed and actually do. I don't know what it is about that, but um, there there's more that I'm referencing kind of in Rachel's book with that. And I, I really love the concept that she's saying that if if you start like reaching for those bigger goals, of course you're going to have that motivation to get it because it's kind of that like scariness, that like unknown that's to it. But also you're going to have less competition to actually like complete that goal. It's going to be just like you versus you versus where a lot of more people are going to be more prone to just be like, all right, I am satisfied with whatever is kind of going on because I don't feel like I can do this, this, and this. I don't feel like I can hit those goals. And that's not a way to live, right? But people do it anyways, just because of those like limiting beliefs. And so they're going to be more likely to actually like sit down and make like, yes, ho-hum, so-so goals that might be easy to attain. But like, are you actually going to attain those goals? Are, Are you actually going to like make time to do them? No, because they're not like, they're not fun. They're not like scary to think about. They're not inspiring to do. You you have less competition than you think to actually like achieve whatever it is. So get out there, make time for those big ass goals, see what you can do, see what you can get away with. That's that's where I am on that. All right. So let's talk about learning how to learn. Uh, You guys, we have a Ladybug episode on this, so we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. Um, But do do you think that we can kind of make a summary of, like, what you remember uh, what happened on that episode? (laughs) This is an alley point. You can lead this one. Yeah, so we did a whole episode on this about how your brain works and then also what are the best ways to study in order to retain information best. We talked a lot about the Coursera Learning How to Learn course, which I really recommend to anybody who's looking to understand how your brain works a little bit more. I think it's a really great thing. Then they also have a newsletter that they send out every week too. I think once you do the course, you're just on the email newsletter. I'm on that. So I read that every week. And so I find that really helpful. Uh, They talk a lot about brain science and how taking breaks is really, really important for you and then also how to make things stick, which is another book that we talked about, make things stick. Um, and that one mostly talks about how you should quiz yourself in order to retain information and to have to extract it, I guess, from your memory, like Emma was saying, in order to make things stick a little bit more in your brain. So I would definitely check out that episode and potentially those courses and books too if you're if you're interested in this. Yeah, definitely. Cuz learning a new skill can take a lot of time and I think that's what they kind of bring home is that if if it's anything that you want to do it's going to take some time and going to take some effort to actually make sure that you're doing those exercises um referring to brain science to actually do what you want to do. So, yeah, thank you. Um and Back to Emma's point, making sure that you're leaning on the metaphors, any type of brain, I guess, I don't know, like mind tricks, whatever you want to call them, to like actually recall and retain that information uh, is is really something that they love to on, I think, learning how to learn how to uh, do and execute, like making sure that, I don't, what was it, the ear, ear and window, was it, Emma? <laughs> 
totally forgot. Oh, uh, left and window. But uh, there's another there's another book called Moonwalking with Einstein that I believe talks about how you can improve your short term memory. Uh, I haven't read it, but I believe it's like really well known. And I think he talks about the idea of like when you have to memorize long sequences of like numbers or whatever. Um, first of all, if you can spread it out and like learn it long term, do it. Uh, if you have to cram, cram the night before and immediately go to sleep. Sleep is when your brain actually encodes that information. Um, but it, like it discusses how um, like visualizing a room and you walk into the room and you place different pieces of information visually in the room. Like one thing is sitting on a couch or one thing is staring out a window. And as you need to recall that information, you walk through this image in your mind. And that's how you can like train your short term memory. So if you're interested in learning how to expand your memory, I would I would recommend that book. That is fascinating. Oh, I might have to try and do that with a couple of steps that I'm doing for problems. That's thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for that reference. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, the next thing I know specifically that we want to talk about with learning how to learn is um focusing one topic and potentially one resource at a time. What do you guys think about that? I I I'm kind of conflicted. I definitely have used different resources so far um, with my studying, but what do you guys think about that? Well, humans are not capable of multitasking, but I would say when you're learning, if you're learning the same subject through multiple mediums, I wouldn't call that multitasking. I would call that like, uh, switching context, uh, but in the, in the same respect of what you're learning. So I think switching mediums up, like reinforcement is really, really good, but I wouldn't say like, like study TypeScript for five minutes and then move on to Java. Like me, like I, for myself would, have like Mozilla developer network open at the same time as I have like friend and master's course open. And, but my problem is like, I, this is probably ADHD as well, where I like will follow a link in MDN and end up in like somewhere completely unrelated to what I'm currently studying. Whoa. Yeah. So just yep. be careful. I would say just like, <laughs> if you're good at that, like <laughs> props to you, but if not just, I would say like tr- try to minimize the amount of context switching. I, ooh, I'm not good at that. I'm sorry, Allie, you go on that. No, you're good. I would say also that research has said that if you learn the same thing in multiple mediums, so you watch a video and then you read a book about the same topic, it's going to stick so much better than if you just do one of the two. Especially uh, people really fall into this idea of like, Uh, your learning style or whatever. And people can like different ways of learning, but the research has said that what's more important that is that you learn the same thing in multiple contexts. I also think that making sure that you actually apply your knowledge is one of the most important things that you can do. So making sure to not just watch 18 tutorials on the same topic and never actually apply that knowledge, it's never going to stick. Instead, build an app with it or something along those lines. Yeah, making sure that you're able to find an example to actually like potentially go off of what is it the I do we do and then you do that's one of the bigger things that you like to teach when it comes to your courses Allie yeah so that's something that I always do when I'm teaching people in person so start with I do which is me explaining something conceptually then we do which is them doing this thing along with me and then you do which is them doing it independently. And if I have groups, then I normally do you all do as well, which is I have people in groups doing their things so that one student can bounce ideas off of the other. I think there's a difference between memorization and learning, though. Like, to me, memorization is being able to regurgitate yeah. facts and information, whereas learning is actually take it, taking those things and, like, applying them to new concepts. And that's something I didn't, know, like, consciously think about for the longest time. It's like, I could sit and memorize all the vocabulary and grammar rules of the Swedish language, 
But am I actually able to abstract all of these things together and make complex sentences? If I can't, then that's a problem and I need to work on learning as opposed to memorizing. The next thing that I think we should talk about is um, the concept of actually categorizing or like theming the times that you actually decide to learn. So in particular, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm a morning person. I get up at 5.30, I meditate, I work out. Do I hate it? Yup. But I do it anyways, because I have a certain end goal in mind. And that is my prime time to actually like focus and make sure that I can like do whatever I need to do. So I highly suggest that for anybody that is trying to make sure that they are learning, making sure that they find that time where they are in their most like prime focus and theme all of your difficult tasks that you feel like you need to actually learn or execute in that time. So then you're able to start going through those like little menial like readings, maybe like problems and things to uh, do later at a time where it's like, oh, my energy is kind of drained. So like, for instance, after lunch, after I've eaten, uh, I'm definitely like, all right, my blood sugar is crashed, even though I've eaten. Um, let's let's do something else. Let's like actually do a reading. Let's watch a couple of videos. What about you guys? What, what do you do in that kind of moment? Or like, how does that work for you guys? So I'm actually a morning person. Now I want to state, and we've talked, I don't know if we have an episode on this, but there's a book called Why We Sleep. And it talks about the scientific... Uh, concept that some people are biologically morning people and some people are biologically night owls. And if you try to like be productive in the morning when you're not a morning person, it's not effective as much as if you were to actually work in the evening. So figure out what your circadian rhythm is promoting. Um, So I have to work in the morning. And if I don't, so when I'm trying to start a new habit, uh, the best method for me to do so is with habit chaining. Um, this is a concept. I don't know if it was talked about in the power of habit, which is a great book or atomic habits. I can't remember, but, uh, this concept where if you want to adopt something new, for example, if I want to learn a new programming language, or if I want to work out, chain it to an existing habit. So every single morning I wake up, I make coffee. I read a book for at least 30 minutes. If I want a new habit, I chain it onto the end of that. So I know after I'm done reading, I go do programming, studying for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, highly recommend. That's how I would like do something new. Yeah, agreed. I do that as well. And I have like three sets of routines per day, morning, lunch, and then uh, after work, also nighttime, but that one's more personal. I would not chain studying onto my (laughs) brushing my teeth routine, but (laughs) that'd be pretty funny. Um, But I would agree that linking them onto habits that you're already doing makes it much easier Also, breaking it into the minimum habit that you can do. Uh, This is talked a lot about in tiny habits. So instead of saying, I'm going to read for 30 minutes initially, like you could work your way up to that, but instead say, read one page or open a book. So make it as easy as possible to just get that habit going and then increase it from there. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about how um, to kind of get you started to going through that method of like actually building up those habits to just touch whatever it is. Uh, Just the one thing that you want to try and do, you're negotiating yourself out of it, just touch it, like physically touch it. So um, I, I think that I myself, for example, like when I'm working out, I, I don't like it, but I love cheeseburgers very, very much. So I'm going to have to find a way to 
make sure that I'm able to not like be crazy with my cheeseburger eating habits and find a way to make that balance by working out. And I will like touch my bullet journal to say that, okay, I am looking at what exactly I have written down for my workout today. Am I going to do this? Sure. Maybe I will pick up my dumbbell and just like move it across the room. And I'm like, huh, I have to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. (laughs) That is very fun, but it works. It it works. So try it, try it out, see what you guys can get away with and go from there. Um, The other thing that I think we should talk about, I, I love this. I am really obsessed with the Pomodoro technique. Uh, But for me in particular, I will say that uh, it doesn't work for me. And let's kind of go into the Pomodoro technique. So you have a time limit where you start studying for what? I think it's 25 minutes, and then you take a break for five. And then you do this kind of back and forth for about four or five times, and then you take a longer break, and I think that's 15 minutes. For me, that is way too short of a time to actually get into the concentration, into like the mode of what you're actually wanting to do, especially for tech interviews, actually like studying for them. And so I use instead the more modified method, Anime Doro. And I'm a fan of anime. You guys will see that all the time on my Twitter. But Anime Doro is the modified version of Pomodoro, where instead you actually study for about 40 minutes. And then you're going to reward yourself with a break by watching a 20-minute episode of an anime. And so that way, I get to keep my flow of concentration as well as reward myself with a TV show because I love me some TV. So have you guys tried any one of those? Yeah, I've tried Pomodoro in the past. It does not work for me at all. I try to do... Okay, so this resonates with me more as flow state, which is just you work until you're done working or you're sick of whatever you're doing and then you take a break and that for me works a lot better because the context switching just doesn't work for me and especially right now I I work in management and so I have meetings like all day every day and so I work when I have that hour in between meetings or that 20 minutes between meetings so yeah I can't do yeah structure like like I said I'm a fire hydrant I can get in a flow state for like two straight hours and then just go hibernate on the couch but I can't if if someone were to break me out after 25 minutes I'd punch them that's hilarious because I am not I will try my best to get into a flow state and then be incredibly mad that I've like clicked a link I've watched another video I've decided to like go lay on the couch go take a walk do this do that do this do that and like I will go back maybe to whatever the concept is. But for me, just like having those constraints, it's kind of like how we were saying before, we like to pay people to like actually kind of like help us be in that accountability uh, that I have to have that. I uh, will motivate myself into it, into like actually doing the task and then somehow will have found myself watching YouTube videos for two hours. That is so awesome that you're able to get into flow state so easily. That is not a thing I can do. It doesn't happen all the time, though. It's definitely like fleeting for me. Yeah, Sam. That's awesome. That's so fascinating. Um, Yeah, so we have talked about how learning how to learn on its like kind of basic structures work. 
And something else that I think we should talk about is how it is advantageous to potentially make a to-do list. I I make a to-do list, but I think that it's kind of like a bullet journal to-do list. It's something that I try and break down into like the most simplest tasks that I can do as possible and then like start kind of crossing them off one at a time to actually like the reward, I guess, is to cross off the actual like to-do, like the completed to-do task. But do you guys use to-do lists? I do, but not for a learning. Actually, that's one thing I envy about you. And like, because I've watched your study with me videos and I'm like, oh shit, I wish I could do that. Uh, I have, I use actually Todoist has been my new favorite to do app. Um, but for like big projects, I've been using Trello a lot. I actually find that they're the best kind of like Jira board style. Yeah, I use Trello as well for absolutely everything at work. I use Asana for my team. And I have a blog post about my Trello setup, so we can link that as well. But I have a bunch of automation set up so that it tracks my habits throughout the day too. And I like that. Which one do you guys like better? Is it Trello or Asana? I'm going to make some people like really mad with this question. I like both for different reasons. Asana's great for enterprise yeah. level projects. Uh, it's actually, I find it better to be better than Jira. Um, but I love using Trello for my personal life. Mm, that makes sense. Can, I'm the same. Can way. you imagine, like, can you imagine setting up an Asana or a, like a Jira board for your personal life? Like, do the dishes, and like, that's so ridiculous. Well, I know people that really? do that, and they like, yeah, they have like the notifications on their phone and everything, not just for like their work, but also just like their life in general. Because oh. I've always heard that it's better. Um, it's better for you to actually use one calendar or one like task manager for everything mm. that you do. Not like, don't separate them for work. Don't separate them for your clients. Don't separate them for your like other tasks. Uh, it's better. So you're not, uh, double booking yourself, but also you give way to excuses on like talking out talking yourself out of actually like doing something personal that you really want to do versus like actually like getting on with a client that's something like that's businessy like or doing something that like you could do later just putting in that work and habit to actually like write down or like insert whatever uh, important tasks that you're doing on top of like through your personal calendar I've always heard you should fuse them into one see I would have trouble with work-life balance but what I think this conversation is showing me is like uh, you like you should find your what works for you. Like we're telling you the things that work for us, 100%. but it's funny because they're so polarizing. <laughs> but I think that's mm-hmm. that's good. It's like it, there's no one way to do it properly. Like you need to figure that out for yourself and figuring it out for like not just like yourself. That's kind of general, but like figuring out for like what is best to help you learn, help you actually like stick to whatever your goals are, potentially helping you like influence other people to kind of like come into your circle and like give yourself that accountability, give that like opportunity to somebody else and have fun with it. I think, I think we also kind of like went away from the best part is that in some ways, yes, you are learning to attain knowledge for whatever reason that it is, but hopefully you're also doing it because it might be fun in somewhere in there. You're just like, ah, maybe. <laughs> no, I think that's good. I mean, maybe. I wish I was one of those people who could make the beautiful bullet journals. I really wish that I could do that. But honestly, I hate my mm. handwriting. And if I don't like the way it looks, I will sit there and rewrite it and rewrite it until I just give up. And that's what I focus on. It's like very much 
honestly, I actually think I have OCD as well because like I hone in on those types of things. Like when I read something, I have to read it from start to finish all the way through. So like I get distracted if I if I try to make it too fun for myself. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, I like digital because you can redo it so much faster. And if I I don't like erase marks, I don't like pen cross outs. And so I like something where I can edit it. <laughs> so I'm kind of on the same page with Emma there. I think I've been able to practice enough with my like calligraphy and things um, to not have to deal with that anymore. Because I'm an artist. Like I, I draw as well as like do other like artsy fartsy stuff too. So I absolutely love those things. And I, ooh, I have like seven journals. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now that I haven't used that I'm like, yes, I'm ready to like actually do something with them. So that's really unfortunate that you're not able to like kind of do like that for fun's sake, but I totally understand where you're coming from. (laughs) We are also uh, going to talk about kind of starting small when it comes to your learning goals. I think that um, this is going to be important because those small steps that you make when it comes to your progress, we've already talked about it, how chaining your habits onto something else that has already been a successful habit is really important. And so we also kind of put into that where you try and do like the most minimum thing that you can and then grow from there. It's the same thing that we were talking about with the Pomodoro method, having to make sure that you do that small amount of time of focus. And then if you're just like, all right, I can't do this anymore, then take a break and then do it all over again. But I I really like the idea of starting small. And that also helps us, I think, start attaining those like goals step-by-step a little bit better. What do you guys think about that? I think you have to start small. I mean, think about how a child learns a language for the first time. And this is why Rosetta Stone is so successful because they start you very, very small, but they start you immersively, which means they're not teaching you anything in English. They're speaking the language from day one and it's you will slowly infer what they're talking about and slowly compound those skills. That's the best way to learn something. Um, So yeah, definitely. Because if you just start big, like, I feel it's super easy to get overwhelmed. So at the very least, like try to break it into small chunks. And having to make sure that with those small chunks, like these are the points where you want to start using those different mediums to actually be able to retain that knowledge and potentially be able to share it or execute it in some other way. And it's the, again, I do, we do, you do method. You want to make sure that you're doing it that nice concentrated bit of work to make sure that you compound on that progress. So I know that Atomic Habits talks about that. Um, Again, latching your good habits with this new one. Uh, A bunch of places talk about it. Uh, What is it? Jensen Jero's Badass Habits is another book that I really like talking about that. Um, And then this is, I don't know if this is going to be controversial again, but acting as if you are the person that you actually want to be with that information. I think, Emma, you had talked about that um, with the not being a smoker. Uh, You were wanting to make sure that you set that goal in mind where you don't want to be a smoker anymore. You stop smoking. Being able to imagine yourself as, I am not a smoker anymore, so I refuse to participate in that bullshit is an incredibly nice way to reinforce what you're doing as you go 
with small it's progress. It's a double-edged sword, though, because, like, while I would say most of the time uh, taking on an identity, a new identity as opposed to a new habit is very beneficial for many reasons, uh, it can also be really harmful, like, this idea of, like, taking on technology or, like, being a software engineer as your full identity is something I'm struggling with. Like, I always associated mm. myself like if someone was like oh tell me about yourself I'd be like oh I'm a software engineer and it's like that's not my identity that's not who I am it's what I do for a living so I think you just need to be mindful of like yes adopting new identities can be really helpful if you're trying to like get rid of a bad habit or you know speak a new language or change something about yourself for the better um but just be mindful that like if you're okay having you know a job be your main identity like if you're okay with that cool but um just you know do that consciously i guess is my advice um don't just like fall into the trap of like um you know this is my entire identity and like that's all that's that's good about me in life because it could potentially set you up for uh disappointment um if you know it takes a little bit longer to get your dream job you know like it doesn't mean you're any less of a person. I'm rambling, but like, that's my main point. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I I think that when I say acting as if, having um, those goals in mind, that vision in mind of where you want to go, instead of like actively like spending like you're a millionaire or doing like all of these like crazy like things that you maybe not be able to like keep up with um when it comes to like being a millionaire is definitely where people kind of confuse the acting as if uh with their whole identity and kind of like doing more than they probably should be and it's about again like we're kind of latching on to like those small things that you can do at a time uh, to change that mindset to actually like get you to start building that momentum to be actually where you want to be you know what i'm saying yeah, definitely. Um, we also talked about making sure that you physically touch something that you are trying to learn, that you're trying to do once every day, at least. So again, like I will make sure that if I'm trying to negotiate with myself, I pick up my dumbbell and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to like move this somewhere else. I'm going to like move this onto the floor. And then I'm like, ah, shit, like I actually need to do this. So I'm going to do it. Let's just do it. Let's go from there. I do. Have you actually negotiated with yourself when it comes to Yeah, this? absolutely. I'm like, if I, if I watch an episode of 90 Day Fiance, I also have to do the dishes at the same time. <laughs> like, uh, or oh. if I have like, like managerial tasks, like responding to email and stuff, I'll put on like, 90 day fiance next to me just to like motivate me to keep going. But um, I think it's so funny. I had this goal of like, I'm going to learn a little bit of Swedish every day. Um, and then realistically, I realized like my mental health, like I can't force myself to do something if I don't want to. And so I've stopped pushing myself to do something every day. Um, but at the same time, like sometimes that means that it takes me a lot longer to like actually do what it is because you don't feel yeah, like, like it. I I don't do well if I force myself. I definitely for the past year I've like been in perpetual burnout state, but like I also it's one of those things I'll half ass it if I don't feel like doing it and that's a waste of everyone's time. Mm -hmm. It's like I'd rather wait until I'm in a good mindset and like mentally healthy to actually do it effectively. But that's not for everyone. And some people do a lot better if you, obviously it helps to do something every single day. Absolutely. But I'm sure, just like sure. struggling with mental health recently. So. Yeah. And I think that, um, 
in some ways going along with like potentially in parallel with mental health. Um, we could say that in some ways, not you specifically, but like having to do that and be like, oh, so I can't do this unless I feel like it. That can be a fine line to self-sabotaging yourself. And I would really say that making sure that you kind of find a way to either like recognize that this is something that you might be doing to self-sabotage yourself. Um, You really need to make sure that you're checking in with your body, with knowing exactly where you are when it comes to your mental health, your mental space, your community, your environment, uh, before we kind of go into um, where that is when it comes to self-sabotaging, because we all do it. We've all done it in some ways in our lives, and then we don't realize it that we do it. And then we're kind of like years later without like the tasks that we've wanted to get done, done. And we're like, ah, mm. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why didn't we do this? So I'm glad that you are taking steps to make sure that your mental health is sound and you're doing well. Um, I also wanted to make sure that we make the point that you want to make sure that you are actually analyzing yourself before you completely take that as a place of, oh, I can't do this because I don't feel like it. Very important to make sure that you make the distinction between like you're doing this because you're taking a break for your mental health or because you are making excuses for the self-sabotage. The next thing I think that we can talk a little bit more about is sometimes making sure that you just like cut out the negotiations is just the best way to do it. I I do also do a one, two, three start, like a countdown where it's just like, all right, I'm here. I'm like sitting at my desk. Three, two, one, let's just go. Let's just do it. Let's just try and see what I can get away with. Um, It's not about like having to get into that flow state. It's not having to like, what is it? have that like certain time frame that you're actually doing something that's like constructive. It's just seeing if I can get away with like building my momentum up from that countdown is something that I like to do. Um, and then sharing your results on your progress, I, I think is another thing that we like to do. So for example, have you like maybe on Twitter or something, like shown off a project that you've done that you're like super proud of and people are like looking at your progress and everything. Have you done anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was developing my interview book, like I shared screenshots along the way and not only did it keep me motivated, but like it actually led people to help me realize I had some accessibility issues with the font and the color palette and stuff. So it was really helpful. But I will say, because there have been a few threads on Twitter about learning in public. Uh, and I think it can be a really great motivational tool, but just be careful because like for some people in the marginalized communities, it can also be a little bit harmful if they're getting the wrong attention from people, because it's so often I've seen people share like, oh, look at this cool coding concept I learned today. And you get men in the comments that are like mansplaining. Well, this isn't good or like blah, blah, blah. It's like, just be aware. Like if you don't want to learn in public, if you're not safe enough to, that's OK. And you don't have to. I I specifically haven't done any more 100 days of code just because I, I, (laughs) do you remember this, Emma, when uh, we had been talking with this one particular person that was like, you're not a software engineer because you don't have like a computer science degree. It was just like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I, I think that being able to share and be vulnerable, the work that you've made and the progress you have so far, I, I'm sure that most people in the world are good and will be able to support you with that. But if you need to go like a little bit on a smaller scale, like there's 
there are meetups that you can go to to share your progress with, be a little bit more vulnerable with. And it's okay if you don't want to share at all. It's definitely a medium to help grow with your learning. So be much more mindful of your mental health when you do that. Um, But it's a way to network. It's a way to find a community. But yeah, I Mm. I agree. It can be, it can really (laughs) suck sometimes. Um, So we've talked a little bit more about when it comes to how, when it comes to our progress, sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. We've negotiated. uh, We feel like our mental health is not there to actually be able to do the tasks that we want to. So you, for example, um, is there anything that you like to particularly do? Let's even maybe like take out um, what you've been going through potentially. Um, What do you do when you feel like you're getting stuck on something? If I'm stuck, that means I need to take a break because nine out of 10 times I'll sleep on it and then I'll come back and be able to solve it the next day. If you're getting stuck, it's very much likely not a you problem. It's very much likely you've been staring at a problem for too long and need to take a walk. I've also heard like being around water will help you fit the puzzle pieces together. Also, I used and I use intentional procrastination as like a productivity method where like I won't start a project until like, I don't know, a couple weeks before or a week before it's due. But in my brain, I'm already sorting out the pieces. So by the time I sit down to do it, uh, I know exactly what needs to be done versus sitting there working months in advance. uh, And I might change things a zillion times. That I didn't know that intentional procrastination was like, I don't know if it's a real thing or if I invented it. I definitely didn't invent it. I'm not that cool. But um I haven't seen it talked about a lot. It's just something that I have been doing. I, I realize that I do that um, from reading You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, where she's talking about um, if you do want to do something, okay, that's fine. Go on ahead and try and do it. Don't try and negotiate. But if you know that you do better under pressure, if it's going to take a week, then it's going to take a week. If you know that it's going to take a week, but you start it in like, like a month before, then you're either not going to get it done or you're going to freak yourself out, blah, blah, blah. So you might as well just like do it in that week. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, if you made it up, <laughs> but also no, I don't it's think like I an actual thing, <laughs> intentional procrastination. That's, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> or that's just what I tell myself to, to sleep better at night. <laughs> I know. I think that's great. I, I think that a lot of people do the same thing and we feel bad about it, but but it's done. Like we've gotten it done. Right. So who cares? Like it's a finished product. So, Oh, and the water thing. Okay. You, you have to tell me more about, I don't know anything about it other than like, if you're stuck on a problem, it is always good to either go outside and take a walk, like by a river or like, if you can't, or take a shower for taking a shower helps you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know much about that to be honest. That's interesting. That's fascinating. I'll have to try that and see if I can like do what is it? One of those like video, one of those uh, water videos, mm-hmm. and see if that'll help me. Okay. <laughs> um, also, knowing that your comfort zone starts getting bigger and better, bigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> and once you start actually like making those small steps to take 
to get out of your comfort zone, it starts to widen. You start to actually see the change that you're actually wanting and you start kind of believing what more is possible. And so kind of going back again to those chaining your habits, actually like taking a break, making sure that you're getting plenty of rest, making sure that you start exploring different mediums. These are all going to be part of learning something, getting out of your comfort zone and finding the good in expanding what you're learning and feeling and doing. And it just, it feels so much better when you do that. I know it's scared. It's scary. (laughs) I get scared about that all the time, but, um, remember to see what you can get away with. I, I, like making sure that it's just kind of like, all right, it's kind of up in the air. We'll see what happens. But that motivates me a little bit more because it's the unknown, I think. Definitely. I think I think there's a good, just really quickly, I think there's a difference between stepping outside your comfort zone and feeling unsafe. So just be aware, like be very mindful as you're doing things that like, I think being outside your comfort zone, fabulous. It definitely pushes you. But if you feel unsafe, like let's take your, let's take you out of that situation first and foremost. Yeah, definitely. Move around, make sure that you're getting up, making sure that you're getting some sunlight, like we said, stretching. (laughs) And I love actually going into, this is fabulous. I just read something about this. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later. Um, But ask yourself more questions if you're still stuck on whatever the concept is. The five whys I've realized is a really good way for me to start kind of analyzing my limiting beliefs as well as whatever is kind of going on with the problem. So how does X work? Uh, What does it do? How do I utilize or when do I utilize X to get Y and to get Z? I think are questions that will help kind of break down whatever the problem is that maybe you're having when it comes to learning a concept or just limiting beliefs in general. I, I, I feel like I will start being like, okay, why am I afraid of doing this? Okay. Because of this. Okay. Why is this a problem? Because of this, because of that. And then we start kind of getting into the root of the issue. So that's a fun therapy technique Mm. that I learned. And it works very well. So make sure that you start asking yourself those questions. Um, We talked about learning and leaning on your community. If you are learning in public, making sure that you kind of display your progress if you feel safe and if you feel like you are in a space to do so, because that gives you a sense of community that is supporting you, that is giving you a space to potentially like build that momentum on the progress that you're making. Um, going to events where you're able to network and give yourself that space to show off what you've learned is great. Um, But also, I love this. I just read about this. Problem statements and solution statements. Do you know, do you know what those are? I don't. Enlighten me. (laughs) Okay. So a problem statement is a concise description of an issue to be addressed or a condition to be improved upon. So basically, let's say that you have this problem and before you even like start going off to um, tell maybe your tech lead or something, you want to make sure that you have a clear and concise way to actually talk about the problem. So from a coding perspective, this can be broken down to explain like step-by-step what actually you've done to start kind of triaging the problem. And then you start going through the examples of like what you've done to get you to that point to where you're stuck. So for example, I'm currently trying to understand why this 
git profile maybe function is returning an error to this particular line, I guess, because I understand it's supposed to do X, but instead it's doing Y maybe. If you have any, uh, what is it, uh, expertise on the matter, could you help me kind of walk through what it is so I can figure out why X is doing this instead of actually going to this result? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I'll be doing that more as I go along with my tech interviews. Um, But the solution statement is also kind of going into that description of how you think you might be able to also solve the problem. And so that will be good to explain to people as you go along, because you have made the effort to think about what exactly you can do to make a solution and then get feedback. So for instance, maybe I believe that an addition of a for loop and a conditional statement validates these set of conditions that you're trying to do with the skip profile function. And we want to make sure that we pass this call. And here's why. This will give a null value limited space to pass through and cause this particular error. And so that way you're able to at least say that you have put in the effort to learn whatever it is that you're trying to do, try and solve whatever problem that it is. And that gives the other person the perspective to help kind of guide you uh, with whatever your thinking is to kind of like get you to the right solution. Yeah, that's really great. That took me way too long into my career to learn, but uh, it's good that you figured that out now because <laughs> I, oh, like I, I have always struggled with trying to figure out like how exactly I need to like walk down what the problem is. And this, I don't know why this is game changing right now, but it's great. I feel Mm -hmm. good about this. So we're going to use this more often. So (laughs) I love it. Um, the next thing I feel like we should talk about since we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we want to make sure that you guys are learning making sure that you're having fun learning if you can, um, be specific about like what you're trying to do to learn, to solve your problems, because if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? I feel like this is kind of like, if everything else doesn't work, then when are you going to do this? And that maybe it'll give you a little bit of anxiety just because you're like, oh man, you're right. When am I going to do this? But I I think that that's a good point that you made, Emma, about making sure that you're not wasting your own time, wasting anybody else's time, um, and potentially being able to start building up those habits and progress to actually learn whatever it is now. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what I got for you guys. I love it. Um, what about you with shout outs? Let's go into that. Yeah. So I want, I want to shout out. Um, I follow, I've followed Amy Cruz on Twitter for a while. Her name is like written as Amy Cruz on Twitter. We'll link her profile in our show notes. Um, she published a book called getting started in tech. Uh, it's, it's, uh, under a hundred pages. So if you're looking for a, a quick read and if you're interested in getting started in tech, definitely check that out. Well, Unfortunately, Allie had to leave us, but she did leave us with a shout out that we will read. Would you like to read (laughs) Allie's shout out? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, The Dynamo DB book is what she is currently into right now by Alex Debris. I'm really hoping that I say that right, but we will make sure that we link it in the show notes. I am definitely interested in what it is, but I do not have time to look at Dynamo at all. So we'll be asking her and let you guys know what she likes about it. (laughs) And then... In particular, I have, I am so, so, 
so, so, so, so privileged and blessed to know Wellington Johnson. He is the junior dev Sherpa on Twitter. He is writing a book called The Beginner Software Engineer's Handbook, and I had the pleasure of reading it. It's not out yet, but I am loving it. I love the gems that are in it, and it's coming out sometime soon. So by the time that you guys hear this episode, it should be an ebook and a, what is it, a physical copy, I believe, that's on Amazon as well as Podia. So shout out to you, Wellington. Absolutely love you. And yeah, that is my shout out. We're going to go for it. If you like this episode, we'll tweet about it. Tweet about it. Make sure you do that. We'll select one tweeter to win a copy of the book Getting Started in Tech by Amy Cruz. So make sure that you guys tweet us about this episode. We love it. We post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure that you subscribe to be notified and leave us a review. We are everywhere. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you coming on, Emma, today. And yeah, it was we'll fun. see you guys later. <laughs> Thanks.